0: Amen. If you have your Bible, uh, turn with me, First Corinthians 13. It's communion time. Praise God. God's a good God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. First Corinthians. Uh, I said 13. First Corinthians chapter 11. First Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 23, and then uh, down to 32. But before I read, I want to begin the message today with a very important video of a communion service that was celebrated back in July of 1969. You might not know about this, but it actually happened. If they could cue that video for me, take a look.
1: I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth.
2: 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10... The images and words are iconic. And for almost anyone alive during the 1960s, they spark indelible memories of what has been called the greatest achievement in human history. Man's first landing
1: on the moon. 875 feet. Four forward, just into the right level. 30 seconds. Okay, engine stop. Houston, uh, Base here. The Eagle has landed.
2: Yet while Apollo 11 remains a hallmark of our collective past, a significant event occurred on the mission that went unnoticed by the more than 600 million people who watched from Earth with breathless anticipation. On July 20th, 1969, astronaut Edwin Buzz Aldrin celebrated communion on the moon
1: uh, houston tranquility over tranquility you go ahead roger this is the Lem pilot i'd like to take this opportunity to ask every person listening in whoever
2: Giving thanks meant shifting his focus from the challenges of the journey to the power and grace of the God who had made it possible. And as mission control initiated a five-hour period of radio silence so the astronauts could rest before their first walk on the moon. He removed a packet from his spacesuit and arranged its contents. A silver chalice, a wafer, a small vial of wine, and a note card with a handwritten passage from the Gospel of John. Later, the pilot reflected on his decision to observe the Christian sacrament,
1: 240,000 miles from home. During the radio blackout, I prepared the bread and the wine. As I poured the wine into the chalice our church had given me, The one-sixth gravity of the moon caused the liquid to curl slowly and gracefully up the side of the cup. Then I read the scripture, which I had chosen to indicate our trust in Christ. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me, and I in him, will bear much fruit. For you can do nothing without me. I remember the sound of the eagle's metal body creaking as I ate the wafer and swallowed the wine. I gave thanks for the intelligence and spirit that had brought two young pilots to the sea of tranquility. At the time, I could think of no better way to acknowledge this enormous achievement than by giving thanks to God. Then I offered a prayer for the task at hand and the opportunity I'd been given. The Apollo
2: 11 mission was a spectacular success. And on July 21st, Buzz Aldrin, Neil Armstrong, and Michael Collins departed for Earth. You may or may
0: not have known. Yeah, you can clap at Buzz Aldrin. Yeah. July 21st, 1969, the limb pilot, Buzz Aldrin, He had worked it out with his pastor. He was an elder at his church. And as the narrator said there, he shifted his focus from the challenge of the journey to the God who had made it possible. How many of you all are on a journey, but the God that you serve has made it possible for all that you do and all that you have. I find it, It's such a little known fact. You say, well, how come I didn't know? So many don't know that uh, because um, NASA didn't want to speak about it. They didn't want him to say all of that. Really, they didn't tell him he couldn't say it, but they they said, if you do say it, we're in a lawsuit right now and we're concerned we're going to be sued. Um, In the months preceding, a different Apollo uh, group of astronauts had orbited the earth. Frank Borman, uh, one of the astronauts there, uh, when they were orbiting the earth, they sent back pictures of the earth as they were orbiting it. And Frank Borman opened up his Bible a few months before Apollo 11 and read from Genesis to the whole world, quoted Genesis. And, and there was an atheist woman, Madeline Murray O'Hare, who sued NASA because they read from the book of Genesis. And, and this nonsense separating church and state, this nonsense, she sued them. Based, she, the, the, the case was ultimately thrown out. But it was still in court, and NASA was afraid that if he celebrated communion, and they all knew, then they were going to be sued again. So they didn't tell him, he didn't. they, 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 they just kind of said, if you could just hush it a little bit. And so uh, during the blackout period, then he said those words that went back to Houston, asking everyone to give thanks, to contemplate the magnitude of what had just happened and he said you know everybody give thanks in your own way but he said I'm gonna thank God I'm gonna he, what he was really saying was I didn't get to the moon on my own there's a God who I, who I know and a God who I serve and he's the reason that we made it here safe there have been so many failed missions to the moon so many people who have lost their lives in this endeavor and this certainly was no easy feat. One of the greatest accomplishments in our nation's history was to, to land on the moon. But, but really what Buzz Aldrin was saying is, I know that if it had not been for the Lord, who was on my side, we wouldn't be at any moon. And not only that, how many know it's, it's not? it's one thing to get there. It's another thing to get back. <laughs> and he said, I want to thank God right now because I know from whence my blessings come and I'm not ashamed to turn and tell God, thank you. And you know, every one of us ought to be like that. We ought to be be not ashamed to tell God, thank you. I want to share five quick points about communion with you before we celebrate today, because I'll start with this first one. It is this, the communion table. It is an exaltation. Say that with me. It's an exaltation. Did I give you my uh, title today? My title is this. It's communion time. All eyes on him. I said, I wish I could get a bigger amen there. I said, this is communion time. All eyes on him. Get your eyes off the preacher. The preacher can't help a knack. (laughs) But I know a man who can. (laughs) Get your eyes off of social media because something is going on here today and and heaven is beckoning you and God is calling you and God is speaking to you and God is wanting to get your attention by this table here. So get your eyes off the preacher. Get your eyes off social media. Get your eyes off your shopping list. Get your eyes off of what you're going to have for dinner when, when the service is over. Preacher, we're thinking about dinner. There's no meal you're going to eat today that'll be more satisfying than the meal that God has spread on this table. It's been set up in the natural, but hey, it's been prepared in the spirit. And there's no meal that you can eat in the natural that can compare to what God has set up on this table. And so get your eyes off of what might be distracting you Get your eyes off the problem Whatever problem you may have Or whatever problem you may be facing Communion calls you and I To get our eyes off of that As Buzz Aldrin said I had to, for, I had to shift my focus From the challenge of the journey To the God who had made it possible And this morning this table calls you and I To shift our focus To the God who's made it possible For you and I to be born again. For you and I to be members of his family. Jesus left heaven on on a—the mission to go to the moon was an incredibly profound, complicated—oh, but the mission to leave heaven, to step out of eternity, for God to become a man and to step into a human body, and then to step into this earth realm— That the creator would become a part of the creation. And not only that, then the creator would allow the creation to beat him and to mock him and to whip him and to spit on him. Jesus was on the greatest mission of all time. He was on a mission to redeem. It's communion time. All eyes on him. And so my first point, communion is an exaltation. It's an exaltation. The communion gives you and I an opportunity to turn and tell God, thank you. And like Buzz Aldrin, we're able to say, God, I wouldn't have made it. If if it hadn't been for you, I wouldn't have made it. Buzz was saying, I know from whence my help has come, my help has come from the Lord. The psalmist said, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, when trouble rose around me, the psalmist said, if it hadn't been for the Lord, uh, when, when my enemies surrounded me, the psalmist said, they would have eaten me alive had it not been for the Lord. Over in Psalm 78, don't turn there, Psalm 78, verse 18 and 19, Israel asked the wrong question. They asked the question doubting, mocking God's table. In their distress, in their problems, in their trials, they became distracted. They lost their focus. And they started asking, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Can God God take care of his people in the wilderness? Can God set a table in the wilderness? But David answered the question. Israel asked the question without faith. David answered the question in faith in Psalm 23. David said, the Lord prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And there is no table like the table that God himself has spread. And as I said, this table was prepared in the natural, but it was set up in the spirit. And all of our needs, whatever they may be, spiritual, emotional, physical, whatever they are, our needs are met through what has happened and the agreement that God has set on this table it's an exaltation communion gives us a chance to turn and tell God thank you hadn't been for you wouldn't have made it thank you I know the Lord blessed you with a nice job but you didn't get that job on your own it was God who put his favor on you you ought to tell him thank you I said it was the Lord who healed you you ought to turn and tell him thank you hadn't been for the Lord that alcohol would have swallowed you alive Hadn't been for the Lord, those drugs would have swallowed you alive. Hadn't been for the Lord, those problems would have swallowed you in our lives. The table speaks and we can turn and exalt God. It is an exaltation. We're saying, God, you've been so good. We're, let's read a little bit. We're in uh, 1 Corinthians 11, starting at 23. For I pass on to you. This is where we see it's an exaltation. Verse 23 and 24. I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God. There it is. He gave thanks. The Lord took bread. Think about it. On the night he was betrayed. You don't think it hurt him that he was betrayed? He knew what it was like to suffer and to feel what we feel. And yet without sin, And when he was betrayed, he took bread and gave thanks. And I don't know what you may be going through emotionally. Maybe somebody's betrayed you. Maybe someone has hurt you. But communion is the clarion call for exaltation where we can exalt the Lord. We can turn and give God thanks. It's an exaltation in verses 23 and 24. And then when we go from verses 24 through 26... This table is not only an exaltation, it's an explanation. Say that with me, explanation. That's my second point. It is an exaltation, giving thanks. You wouldn't be here without him. It's an explanation of God's complete plan of redemption. As complicated and profound as it was, God has simplified it and clarified it and laid it out so easy that we can understand the power of these symbols and emblems. Let's read again. We're reading now from uh, 24 down to 26. And he gave thanks to God for it and then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Everybody say, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Everybody say that, do this in remembrance of me. Yeah, as often as you drink it. Verse 26, for every time you eat this bread, And drink this cup you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again and so we see from verses 24 through 26 that communion is not just an exaltation it's an explanation of the complete plan of redemption Ephesians 1 7 says in whom in him we have redemption how through his blood the forgiveness of sins all of God's offer for all of huma- to all of humanity, no matter what race, tribe, kindred, no matter where you've come from, God's offer of forgiveness is wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. Christ was fully God and fully man. And the Father allowed the Son to pay the price, to pay the penalty for your sins and for my sins. And Christ suffered, bled, died, and was raised again. And he became, what the Bible says, the propitiation for our sins. His sacrifice satisfied God's high demands for justice. And it was only his blood that could do it. His blood, the Bible says, precious blood. The efficacy of his blood. There's no other blood like the blood of Jesus. That blood has power. There is power in that blood. There is power, there's power, there's wonder working, power in the blood. That blood is still saving. That blood is still washing. That blood is still cleansing. That blood is still freeing and releasing people. There's no blood like the blood of Jesus. Communion is not just an exaltation, it is an explanation. 26, verse 26 tells us that every time, every time that we eat this bread, we're proclaiming his death until he comes. Think about that. Every time we eat the bread, we proclaim his death. Every time we eat the bread and drink from the cup, what do we do? We proclaim his death until he comes. Well, we understand this from reading uh, Ephesians chapter 1, 19 through 21. Listen, he, 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 he died, but he was, he was raised from the dead. Let me say it this way. Between Ephesians and Colossians, the Bible tells you and I, right, when Christ died, we died. We died with him. How many know one of the greatest truths in the Bible is that when Jesus died, you and I, God allowed him to pay the penalty. He paid the price so that we would not have to pay it. In effect, when he died, we died. We proclaim his death, 26 says, verse 26, until he comes again. But in proclaiming his death, then we proclaim our own death. We're saying, the table is saying, he died for you. And we're saying back, and I died with him. The table proclaims, but he was raised from the dead. He was raised to life. And we proclaim, we were raised with him. The table proclaims, he was seated in heavenly places. and, And then we proclaim, we were seated in heaven. Hey, we were seated with him. Communion is not just an exaltation, it is an explanation. It is not just an exaltation and an explanation. Thirdly now, my third point, it is an expectation. Verse 26 again, verse 26. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Until he comes again. Communion is an expectation. We are expecting a soon coming king and the Bible commands you and I to live in the light of it to align our priorities with God's priorities and the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and our priorities are to be congruent with that there is a harvest to gather and we must all participate And if we're not on the field, we need to be helping people get to the field, get on that field. We're proclaiming his death until he comes again. He is a soon coming king. Second Peter reminds you and I, listen, one day, one day with the Lord is like a thousand years to you and I. I love to preach that during funeral messages. Because, you know, out in eternity, there is no time people people who are in heaven they're not limited by space and time like we are so many things bind us here space time gravity buoyancy (laughs) whatever laws but but there there is no time what are you saying you have a relative who's passed on to be with the lord the next time they see you they're going to say it's been like a day seems like a day on this end thinking about my dad my mom my mama went home 1984 when I see my mom again, she's gonna say, Bill, it seems like a day since I've seen you. To me, it seems like a thousand years. It's like the scripture says a day with the Lord is like a thousand years to you and I. And my mama, she knew how to set a table. and my, For my mom, it wasn't just the meal, it was the presentation of the meal. And when my friends would come over, even after our Thanksgiving meal was over, my friends would come. I just, it was a common thing for my friends, my sister's friends. They said, "Man, your your house looked like something on Family Circle magazine. The way your mama got the dining room, uh, the dining room decorated looked like Family Circle magazine." I said, "Oh, that's my mama. My mom would always make a turkey and a ham at Thanksgiving. One time she had her ham done early, had it up on the stove. My dog Toto, he was a big canine German Shepherd." He's named after Toto from the Wizard of Oz, you know. He was big, but Toto came in, he smelled that ham. And he got his big paws up on my mama's stove, and he grabbed that ham. And I heard my mama's voice call me. <laughs> Woo, my mama was not happy. And the sins of my dog had spread to me. She was not happy with either of us. And my mama was so mad, she said, your dog ate my ham. He ate my ham. And she said, you and your dog and the ham, get out. (laughs) And I was in the backyard. (laughs) I was hugging Toto. I said, you really did it this time, boy. You got us both in trouble. I may not get Thanksgiving dinner because of you. (laughs) We stayed out there protecting one another. And sometimes the devil can interfere with the plans of God. And Satan may have come and bit your hand, but you use your authority in the name of Jesus. And you put that devil back in his place. And you tell the devil to get away from you. He's trespassing when he tries to approach this table. Now this table is holy ground. And there are no devils around this table. And use the name, use the word, use the blood and tell the devil where to go. Yeah. And so this table, it is an exaltation. This table, it is an explanation. This table, this table here, it is an expectation. But this table is also, number four now, it's an examination. This this table calls you and I to examine our hearts. It's an examination. You say, where you, where you get that from, preacher? Verse 27, look at verse 27, and we'll read down to uh, 31. 27 says, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. And that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Verse 30. And that is why many of you are weak and sick and a number have died. Verse 31. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. This table is an examination. Everywhere you go today, go to the airport. And somebody's gonna take an x-ray of you I was at my dental checkup a few weeks back and they x-rayed my teeth everywhere you go they have the capacity to x-ray something but God calls you and I to look not with condemnation Not with guilt and shame. He calls us to look and to examine our hearts. Why? Because he doesn't want to judge anybody. God's not trying to judge people. God's not trying. God, listen, his love constrains us. His love compels us. We love him because he first loved us. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. God's not trying to judge anyone. He tells you and I judge you. I want you to judge yourself. And then when we judge ourselves, here's what we're to do. We're to make an adjustment. And sometimes in the body of Christ, we are so slow to repent and we're so slow to forgive. Brother won't get an amen on that. But but we need to be quick to repent. We need to be quick to forgive. I said, I wish I had a bigger amen than that. We drag our feet, drag our feet. No, you hurt me. No, I'm not forgiven. And we become slow to repent and we become slow to forgive. But communion calls you and I to center the car in the middle of the road. Get away from the ditch and make whatever simple adjustment the Holy Spirit gives you, if he gives you one. This table calls you and I to examination. And finally, finally, verse 31 and 32 But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we're being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. Communion, finally, is an exoneration. It's an exoneration. What does that mean? Exoneration is the official act of releasing someone from all blame. Through the blood of Jesus... God's offer of forgiveness is on the table through the person of Christ. And when we receive Christ and when we accept his sacrifice, God completely exonerates you and I. He wipes the slate clean. He doesn't only forgive our sins, he remits our sins. The Bible says we are justified. What does that mean? God treats me just as if I'd never sinned. This table reminds us of the exoneration. Exoneration. Yeah. I want to close my message today with a story that I heard when I was in school here at Ramah back in 1985. And it was a story about a famous evangelist. His name was Jack Coe. And Brother Hagan described the great healing revival that began in 1948. And so many wonderful men of God, women of God, anointed ministries came out of that healing revival. And uh, I'll not start naming all that you can go or Roberts all the way, but, but, but all of these fantastic anointed ministers, men and women of God came out of that healing revival. One of them was a man named Jack Coe. And Brother Hagan described him as a man that God anointed and used mightily. And he says at some point, the Lord spoke to him and told him to go and speak to Jack Coe. And the Lord was telling Brother Hagan, tell him that I want him to judge himself in three areas. One was diet, in his diet, another one was in walking in love. With his fellow minister, and and the other one was money, being money-minded, and so the Lord sent Brother Hagin and told him, "Go tell him to judge himself." Judge him said, "No, don't you? Tell, tell Brother Hagen. You go." Ju-. He said, "Tell him, I want him to judge himself in three areas: and his diet, walking in love with his fellow minister, being money-minded." But as it turns out, Jack Co didn't do that. And then at some point later, Gordon Lindsay, who was uh, at that time the head of the Voice of Healing, he, he announced to a, a group of the ministers in the Voice of Healing that suddenly Jack Coe had taken ill and that he was, the ministers needed to come down front and pray for, for him. And as Brother Hagan started down the aisle to pray for Jack Coe, the Lord spoke to Brother Hagan and said, go back to your seat. And Brother Hagan said to the Lord in protest, everybody's going forward. I want to go forward and pray for Jack Coe's healing. And the Lord said, go back to your seat brother Hagen protested a third time. I I don't want people to think I don't want to pray for him. And the Lord told him a third time, go back to your seat. And as brother Hagen got back to his seat, the Lord said, he's going to, I'm going to bring him home to me. I'm going to bring him home. And brother Hagen said, I want to intercede for him. I want to, I want to plead his case. I want to pray for him. And the Lord said, I told him to judge himself in three areas, but he didn't do it. And I'm going to bring him home now. My friend, communion is a serious time. I'm not saying something bad's gonna to happen to you. I'm saying God doesn't wanna judge you and I. I'm saying, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm saying, listen, God's commanding you and I to judge ourselves, And whatever adjustment needs to be made, make that adjustment. Every head of the home, every man, if you've, if you've made a mistake, then go tell your sweetie I'm sorry. Every woman of God, every queen of the house, if you've made a mistake, go tell your sweetie I'm sorry. And let me tell you this, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt a parent when a parent goes to a child and says, I'm sorry, mommy was wrong or daddy was wrong. That, that strengthens the child. That strengthens their moral compass. If there's something that's wrong between you and God, what I'm suggesting to you is don't just simply swallow communion. The Corinthians did that. I read in there that Paul wrote to them, some of you are, are weak weak. And some of you are sick and some of you have died early. See the progression? Some were, some were weak, some were sick, some had died early. Why? They wouldn't judge themselves. And he said, then you're making a mockery of communion. You're swallowing the cup, chewing down the bread in arrogance when you know God's speaking to you. And all I'm saying, my brother and sister, as I close, as, a, as we close this message, if the Holy Ghost speaks to you, in any area. God didn't tell you and I to judge our neighbor. I ain't got no time to be I don't have any time to be wondering what God might be saying to you. You know why? I ain't wonder what he's saying to Bill. That's all I'm concerned about. God didn't tell us to judge one another, look at one another, I wonder what's wrong with her. No. Judge yourself. And then let the power of the blood flow. The Corinthians weren't experiencing healing at the level that they should have because of the way they mocked Communion. And I encourage you today, allow the Lord to speak to your heart. Let's pray together. Father, we look to you and we thank you for your mighty word. And as we come to this table, this table is no dead ordinance. This table is alive. And we thank you that these elements, the bread and the cup, represent the shed blood of the Lord Jesus. The remission of our sins and his broken body given for our healing and for all of our needs of physical sustenance, whatever they may be. Jesus was beaten, bludgeoned for our healing. He took stripes on his back as a substitute for us. And by his stripes and wounds, today we are healed emotionally. We are healed physically. We are healed spiritually. In every way, we are healed. And his precious blood speaks and beckons to all, wherever you are, whatever you've done, And you may say to me, preacher, you don't know what I've done. And you're right. I don't know what you've done, but I know what Jesus did for you. And if you'll call out to him and if you'll listen to him right now, he'll help you with every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to know if there's anybody here in the sound of my voice. And in your heart of hearts, you know, you're not right with God. You're not born again or If you are born again, you're not walking right with God. You're not walking with the Lord. And I wonder if you'd let me pray for you. Every head bow, every eye closed. If you just lift your hand and say, I need to get right with God. I'm not born again. If I were to die tonight, I don't know what would happen to me. Uh, 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 Preacher, I don't know what would happen to me if I died tonight. Let me see your hand. Anybody in here under the sound of my voice. We don't want anybody to die. We don't want anybody to go to hell. There's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. The blood is the only thing that stands between us and that. Is there anybody here, anywhere? You say, I'm not born again. I don't know what would happen if I died. Is there anybody here and you say, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm born again, but I'm not living right. I want to get right with God. I want to get right with God. Is there anybody in here? And you say, I want to get right with God. I want to give you an opportunity. Praise God. Those of you who may be watching at home and listening at home, go and get some bread and get some water or some juice or whatever you have because communion is there and the Lord is there at your home as well. Father, I don't see any hands for those two invitations. And so I thank you for the blood of Jesus, for the efficacy that he is the propitiation for our sins, his broken body, his shed blood. And we thank you, Father, for
1: touching, for healing, for delivering right now. In Jesus' name, amen.